Welcome to episode seven of the New Producers Podcast. My name is Josh Sewell, and I'm here with Stephen Bonhaken again. And this is part two of our discussion with Lee Hester from Too Far Moon. And today we're going to dive even further into licensing your music for film, television, and ads. And in particular, we're going to talk about how one of Lee's songs called Be OK was recently featured in the film Ashby. After that, we talk a bit about some of the tips and tricks that Lee used to really create some unique sounds with pads and organs and different things like that. And lastly, we wrap it up with discussing his time of co-writing with John Foreman from Switchfoot. He has some really cool stories to share from that experience, so be sure to check that out. If you haven't heard part one, that's episode six, so if you want to go ahead and check that out real quick and then hop back over here. Thank you so much for the continued support. Here's episode seven. This is part two of our discussion with Lee Hester. And so I'd like to touch on a bit. You had mentioned going to L.A. Uh, I know you lived in Nashville. Even though we live in an Internet-based age, do you still feel that it's still a face-to-face, shaking hands, personal relationship kind of business? It is. Yeah. I don't have to do that as much now as I did before, but being completely independent, you know, when I was at that time when I was independent, it was very important because I was just a voice that was on a voicemail or, you know, a silent voice in an email among thousands. I mean, literally among thousands and everything is accumulative. Everything that you do is either moving you forward or it's moving you backwards. Right. Even if you don't see something happening, there's all, there's movement one way or the other. And in my experience going to LA, not, I mean, not everybody can do it. I was fortunate that, you know, I, I was able to go yeah. quite a bit and to be able to go to parties and concerts and, and film and TV conferences was really mm-hmm. important. And I did that a lot. Yeah. It was kind of like the circuit, you know, kind of like, <laughs> you kind of like saw the, some of the same people and, yeah. you know, the first time was awkward and it was like, you're sitting there and you don't know anybody. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Hey, what's up? You know, and like you want to talk about your music, but don't talk about your music. Yeah. You want to talk about how great you are. Don't talk about how great you are. You know, you just wanted to just say hi. And so eventually I would be able to start texting or emailing them and say, Hey, I'm going to be out in LA, you know, during this time and this time, any cool shows happening? Like, Oh my gosh, you got to come to the show or you got to come to this party or we're we're having that. They would have these like burger clubs, have you, have you heard about that? Where they go to these burger restaurants as a group and they they have the whole night, they put, they tape off like a whole part of the restaurant and it's like a uh, survey. Like they have these group that will go out and they'll they'll give a review. Oh, really? But it's like this burger club. Wow. Well, they're all in like the strangest <laughs> things. the greatest you know? thing ever. It's so, it's so awesome. <laughs> but the, the one thing that I, you know, looking back, that I thought was really wise was probably some of the supervisors that I met and got to know really well. I didn't even give them my music for like a year oh. or two years. I just became friends with them. Yeah. And it was an organic yeah. movement because things like that, you have, it's really delicate. You have yeah. to, you can really upset them, you know, cause I mean, it's like, I guess it's like anything else. It's yeah. like whatever you're trying to get into, you know, you don't, if you're trying to get a job somewhere, you don't go to the job site every day That's true. and say, I'm, you know, yeah. you, you, you send in your resume yeah. and you hope for the best and you hope they get a call, but you don't call them after you send in your resume and yeah. be like, did you get my resume? Did you get my resume? Right. Have you read my resume? Whatever. Yeah. And I made the decision and I had help. Like th- there were some friends of mine from Nashville that went out there with me, you know, and, and, we kind of like we would group it, you know, together. So I wasn't I wasn't out there by myself most mm-hmm. of the time. So we would like go as a gr- you know group of bros or whatever, you yeah. know, music guys, just trying to like <laughs> you know find our place. And it was really cool because I got to know a lot of the supervisors for who they were. Hmm. They're just people, yeah, and they're super cool people. And the music was great, and it's like, hey, if there's an opportunity for me to say something about my music, cool. But most of the time, I just let it happen organically and some of the greatest opportunities happen that way. Yeah. Because some of them didn't even know that I did music. Like I've been <laughs> out there probably three or four times, yeah. like over the course of a year and a half. Yeah. And they're like, why didn't you tell me that you did music? Like, yeah. why didn't you send me your stuff? What are you doing out here? <laughs> yeah. What are you really up to? <laughs> they're like, what are you, yeah. were you just like, are, are you yeah. like, you know, 
independently wealthy? Are you yeah. like, what are you doing? You know? And I'm like, I'm not independently wealthy. No. I am starving. Yeah. But I didn't want to be a jerk. You yeah. know? And it's actually really cool that, you know, they, I mean, some, some were like, Hey, so-and-so told me that you, you're doing some music, send me some stuff. Yeah. They said that you do this kind of thing. I'm looking for that. Yeah. I got a placement on the spot one time at a restaurant, just hanging out with a bunch of them. Yeah. That doesn't always happen. It happened once. You know, yeah. I've had over 150 placements in my career. Yeah. It happened once, you know, so that's, you know, kind of an anomaly. But I think that it's it's all about, it's like anything else. It's no different than anything else. It's just being organic, being real. Don't be pushy. If your music is great, make sure your personality is too. Mm. That's great. You know, because they yeah. don't have time. They don't have time for people harassing them yeah. or, you know, like what we said before, like just bugging them. Yeah. Well, and I think anybody that feels in their job is one of the ones probably that this happens to the most. Now, when you constantly have people trying to get something from you, that's a bad feeling, you know, no matter what you're doing in life, when you're in a position where the majority of people that are coming to you for whatever reason are trying to pull and not give anything back. Um, no, nobody likes to be treated that right. way, you know, so that's and, great, man. It's, yeah. it's a great reminder to be, be like that, you know? And, it, you know, it, it, nothing may happen the first couple of rounds. Like if anybody does go out there and, you know, you're trying to, to I mean, it's hard. It's mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. You may not see movement, but you'll be surprised yeah. that, you know, for me, there was just a random trip that I remember specifically did not feel like any of the prior trips were worth the investment, like at all. Mm -hmm. Wow. And all of a sudden I go to a party and for, you know, it's not like a, your typical Hollywood party It's like yeah. a, just people getting together for drinks, celebrating a birthday, you know, mm -hmm. but they like to party. They like to have fun. Mm -hmm. But in that I got like five cards, five business cards from yeah. a bunch of different supervisors, some labels, you know, that are work, you know, for publishers. Cause there are supervisors who work with the labels and the publishers and right. most of them are independent though. Yeah. Which is, goes back to being nice to them because they yeah. are, independent they live they work from their home they have like an office in one of their bedrooms stacked mm -hmm. with cds to the ceiling yeah. and they are like real normal people yep um <laughs> and so you know I, I got all of this information and i met with all of them before i left like i was at universal and i was at sony atv and i was mm -hmm. at bug music and i was like all yeah. these other places and it happened on one trip after I had gone like two or three times and nothing had happened. Wow. You know, and that's not necessarily the reason, like you want to see that happen. But the coolest thing is that I'm friends with all of them, even though I don't bug them anymore. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I never bugged them. Yeah. But you know, like now it's like, you know, we, when I see them, it's hugs and drinks and, yeah how's life and awesome. we catch up on life. We don't even talk about music. Yeah. And that's the coolest thing. Yeah. You know, like you think about it, like when all the Hollywood stars get together, do you think they're like, Hey, my, what, check out my movie. Hey, right, I got it. Yeah. yeah. What's up? No. <laughs> Did I see you that? No, yeah. no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, Hey, how are yeah. the kids, you know? And like, yeah. it's like real life. Yeah. It's all the same thing. Yeah. But you know, it, it's tough. It's not easy. You know, you got to put yeah. the work in. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's good. Like you mentioned about it may, it might be a year because we found that to be the case with us with, uh, we had some feedback from some supervisors that what we were doing was licensable music that it had, you know, that it was probably going to get placed with the right person at the right time. And it was probably about a year after that, that the first one ever even happened. It was tough, man, because running in my indie label at the time, I was telling our roster, we really need to do this. This is where things are going, but I didn't have any proof. Mm -hmm. But then once it started to happen, it was like, yeah. whoa, this is, this is really, this is good, you know? And, um, you know, I think for anybody, you know, I don't want anybody to think that we're saying like, hey, everybody, you got to license your music because it, it just might not even be the right fit for certain people. But I think for anybody that's trying to still, uh, maybe you record bands and you, you're trying to write songs to get recorded. You know, I'm, I'm naming all the things that I know that we've done or have tried to do. 
um, it has become a pretty significant stream of revenue for us as a part of the pie that, you know, we're trying to figure out this new music business world. So if you're, you know, playing some live gigs or you're doing one area of your career that's kind of not going as well as it did before, I think it's something to maybe at least check into, you know, because it can be, you know, financially a good thing, but it can also be with the right placement on the right show. I mean, there's a long list of bands that were on Grey's Anatomy that were the fray didn't they break on oh yeah snow patrol. snow patrol snow patrol the fray um love snow patrol man you know uh that well image and heap i know I, I discovered a lot of bands through tv shows yeah so it could i mean it's it's rare but it's it's it could really change your career too. i have a handful yeah. of friends just over the last couple of years that have had six-figure placements yeah yeah wow. and they came out of nowhere. Yeah. Now they came out of hard work. Yes. Mm-hmm. They came out of somebody was doing a lot of hard work. Right. And the opportunity, you know, yeah. it happened. Hmm. So, now placements that, that you're seeing that kind of dollar number on are those still typically like uh, ad campaigns? Those are exclusively ads. Ads, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I have not seen anything close to that in yeah. TV and film. And so here's the thing for anybody listening that you know, this whole thing is just new, or maybe you've even thought like it was selling out or something. Cause you know, that was like an old school mindset. Like I don't want to license my music that's selling out the way that it was presented to me by a music supervisor that really changed my mind on it was that as record label budgets shrink, you can record an album and have $30,000 behind it or something to push it. Or you can be connected with the Coca-Cola campaign for the world cup. Like, uh, Temper trap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the thought was you can have shrinking recording budgets behind your release. Say that you did get a deal. Or you can have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Coca-Cola's dollars promoting <laughs> their drink. Are Coca-Cola dollars real? Well, they are for this episode at least. They're more valuable than label dollars. <laughs> there are, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no and kidding. more of them. Yeah. <laughs> But they're promoting their product and your song is getting promoted alongside of it for free. Right. So that, that was the idea where I was like, well, you know what? There's value there because um, the end goal for all of us is still to get our music in front of people. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's just like we seek that validation or whatever it is that we, we need to get from that. You just, you want people to hear your music. You know, you work hard on it. You feel like you put something out there and if, only your friends and family are downloading it every time, you know, you start to get kind of bummed out. So mm-hmm. if people can hear your song through a show or through a, a movie or whatever, I mean, that's, I think it's a great thing. I think one thing I keep on thinking and hearing is, you know, as musicians, you know, I, I go, I make my record, I work on it, you know, I'm slow at doing records. I can't do it. <laughs> like you do, you, I think it's awesome how you can pump stuff out. That's, it's brilliant, man. But so I, I do my record, I get time, you know, I, I do the mixes, I do the mastering, get CDs made. I'm kind of um, trained to think that I'm done there. You know what I mean? And that's actually when the hard work needs to kick in. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what I'm hearing. So you can either really go after, you know, getting exclusive deals and work really hard to, to make a, a good career out of it. Or you could, you know, take the other route and music dealers or jingle punks and make a little bit of cash. But it's kind of up to you, right? What you're saying just made me think of Shark Tank because I was watching last night. And they, the more this person pitched whatever they were trying to get them to invest in, they said, well, I'm actually going to need, you know, you're asking for 15%. I'm going to need 30% because I can tell this is going to be a lot of work. And I think it applies wow. to licensing. If you already show them that you're hardworking and that you're going somewhere, they know all they're going to have to do is their job. Mm-hmm. But if they've got to do their job and part of what you should have already done too, yeah, not going to be good. Who fit. who wants yeah. to take that on? You know. So yeah, and a lot of musicians aren't good business people. No. For whatever reason, our creative mind it doesn't. It's not natural. <laughs> you know. Right. It doesn't like file taxes and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> but, right. oh. so, um, 
Yeah, I think it's, I mean, now more than ever, man, you, you're not going to be playing. We've said this on previous episodes and we'll probably keep saying it. Gone are the days where you're playing at the corner bar and such and such A&R rep is there and they sign you up and fly you to LA and <laughs> give you $250,000 to make an album. Forget it. It's not going to happen. So, you know, we hope that the people that are following this are like us where we're learning to do all these things because we enjoy it and it directly affects us and our livelihood and, mm -hmm. and our dreams that we're chasing. So the cool part is about it is like, like when you were paying the guy to do it, you're not having to depend on someone else. You'll find the right people to come along to help. But in the meantime, this either happens or doesn't happen because of what I'm doing. I'm not sitting back with yeah, somebody else court, who knows what they're, you know, if they're doing it or not, you know, pitching your music might mean pitching it out the car window while they're riding down the road. You know I mean? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so. That's uh, awesome. That's so good to know. Cause there's, yeah. I just think there's so much, um, you know, it's, it's such a gray area of how do I even get into that world? Mm -hmm. Does that world even really exist? You well, know? And the reason I wanted to, to interview Lee is because he, he got into it. You were like one of the first people yeah, as before. It was trading hands, right? From the majors to the indies. Right. And and so hearing the story of how you got into it, how you sustained it, and you know, I, I think how I'd probably like to wrap it up is um, you know, I know a lot of what you do is the same as what we do. You you write your own music. You're mixing some of your own music right now as a modern musician or whatever we want to call it, you know, uh, person that's having to wear all these hats. You don't have a producer necessarily. You don't have, we don't have assistants. Right. <laughs> we were all daydreaming about having our sessions prepped over <laughs> coffee earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, the music industry changes so much. A lot of people are, you know, bummed out about it. We're trying to stay positive because, you know, we joke about we're not good at anything else. So what are we going to do? So might as well just ride this out to the bitter end. Where do you feel it falls right now for you if you bring licensing to with what you're doing now? How does it fit in the whole picture of being a musician, uh, you know, in, in modern times? I think it's still about the song. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, no matter what changes industry-wise, it's all going to come down to the song. And the song, the sound of the song may change with the times. Yeah. You know, I think that's very important as a, as a modern musician, obviously for us to keep making money, making music, we can't keep making music that we made 10 years ago because that music is gone. Yeah. Sonically it's gone. Arrangement wise, it's gone. Mm. You know, it, there are moment, there are moments that are timeless, but most of us have to keep moving forward. You know, yeah. we don't have the luxury of, being a modern day Zeppelin or a police or, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to, you want to call that. And yes, chops are important. Yes. Technical advances are good for us or, you know, being on top of whatever gear it is that you need to be able to do your job or, you know, I kind of came from having not great gear and very little gear yeah. and that found its place on a big stage, not the biggest stage on the earth, but a pretty cool stage yeah. nonetheless. So I kind of have the experience of people are, you know, you hear all this stuff of you need this and this and this and this. And I'm like, well, I remember when all I had was this yeah. and I still made it happen yeah. somehow. Yep. You can still make it happen with what you have. Yep. You can make it happen. The biggest thing is the song. It, it all, it comes down to the song. Yeah. That's what's the most important thing I think in with licensing now, because it is volatile. It is, ever shifting there are more people trying to get that placement than ever before and there's more accessibility like we talked about earlier with spotify and with with these other streaming companies and with itunes that you know they they have this thing now that says sounds like yeah. <laughs> right right even on youtube sounds yeah. like everything has a has a, a a tag on it that says sounds like so all they have to do okay they need we need a song to sound like whatever or they, they're trying to find a song because they can't, you know, clear the million dollars Beatles song. Right. So they're trying to find <laughs> something that is sounds like something. And they can search. And they can find all these bands that sound like so and so yeah. from across the world. And so the competition is the greatest it's ever been. 
And what separates competition? Greatness. Yeah. Yeah. And greatness will find its place. And it's like what you said earlier too, you may have really great stuff. And this is, this is the other part of it. People may hear a song or you may have an album and it's like a home run in the licensing world. Like this is a no brainer and it never gets a placement. And then you'll, you'll have something or you'll hear something that's like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And it gets placed all over the, all over the map. Yeah. (laughs) So you just don't, you don't know, you know, it, it's, it is unknown. There is no method to their madness. You know, some of the songs that in my career that have been placed the most are the ones that I despise the most. (laughs) That's funny. And I feel like they have, I wrote them in 30 minutes or, you know, one of those things where it's like very little effort or it just, was one of those a filler like it was just a song that I just put on an album because I needed ten songs and it was the tenth one and it was the one that got placed the most you know so it's yeah, like yeah. you just don't know yeah so there are, you know I can say it it comes down to the song it does come down to the song but there are a lot of other variables I think in this modern licensing world than there were before yeah you know? and you know but there are also far more platforms to license video games. I mean, there are all mm-hmm. kinds of things that weren't there 15 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, you're not limited to just the television like I, I was in the beginning. So that's good too. And, you know, not everybody's a composer. Not everybody's a songwriter. Not everybody's a producer. So you can do a lot of different things depending on what you're good at. You may not need to do full songs. Maybe you just do compositions because mm-hmm. you're a composer, you do, you know, your logic based or your Ableton or your, you know, whatever program that, you know, that, that you like, there's a place for that. Oh yeah. I know mm-hmm. reality TV shows, there's people that make a living just making oh, absolutely. production music. Yeah. I mean, crazy money. Yeah. When, you know, we're, we're spending time doing, you know, hundred track productions and, you know, <laughs> losing our hair over it. Yeah. Well, me <laughs> and it never gets placed. And the same amount of time that I spent doing that song, a buddy of mine did like 15, 45 second yeah. compositions and he made three years of my income. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Crazy. You know, so it's kind of yeah. like, who's there re- you go. Who's really winning? There's yeah. your modern world right yeah. there. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> so it doesn't make a lot of sense, but you just got to put your head down and just work hard. Yeah. You work hard and you find your place Yeah, and be nice to people. Yeah, that's that's great advice, and I think too, just to hammer it home, like if you're chasing trends, you're you're already behind, right? So just keep doing what you're doing. You can't force it. Mm-hmm. Be kind to people, build relationships, and uh, you'll you'll find your place for sure. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell people where to find you? Like I, I well, let me do this because <laughs> I know you're probably like me. It's you know you don't want to toot your own horn too much, but I, I've had Let's the pleasure. Ashby. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of. Uh, mastering and mixing uh, some of Lee's stuff. More recently, uh, mastering some of his projects under the name Too Far Moon. And one of the songs called Be Okay was in a film called Ashby recently with Mickey Rourke. Sarah Silverman was in the film. So Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts. Really cool film. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. I mean, just for me personally, it wasn't even my song, but just being able to master it and be a part of it and to see the way that this song was used and really the climax of the mm. film. Um, Cause I know in, initially I think you thought it was going to be in the closing credits, which I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I've right. never had a song, you know, I've worked on being the closing credits. And then, so I bought the movie on iTunes and I'm watching it and all of a sudden it's, it's the most featured. It's got the vocals. It's loud. It's playing for like a minute and a half, two minutes might even be longer. It actually was all but 20 seconds of the whole song. Really? Wow. So like it over was four minutes. Oh, sweet. And, and just, um, Killer, man. I just wanted to let everybody know kind of that it, even though it did, you know, you were very early on, you've had some, something really killer happen recently. Go check out his music. Why don't you tell everybody where to find you? Anybody that's interested in, in hearing the music or you had mentioned about reaching out to you for, you know, any tips and stuff. Sure. Well, basically it's everywhere online yeah. it's at all the streaming and digital stores. So Amazon and iTunes and Spotify and everywhere really and um, I'll, I'll put all the links in the show notes yeah too. and yeah. it's called too far moon there are a few eps released it's a brand new thing it the first project was released just a year ago a little yeah. over a year ago and so it's kind of my new thing 
And if you want to contact me directly, you can contact me at twofarmoon at gmail.com. Okay, cool. You can probably write that down somewhere. Yeah. On there. <laughs> but yeah, you know, if, what, 15 years later, I got my first film yeah. credit. What was that like, man? I mean, it's a bucket list. Yeah, you know? totally. It was like chain off the bucket exactly. list, you know. Um, it wasn't the biggest movie of the year, but it was a really good movie. Yeah, it was. It was, man. And it was a great And I movie. think it was a really important movie. Yeah. It's a good soundtrack, too. It's a really good soundtrack. Yeah. A couple of my friends were on there. It was, yeah. it was great. It was really cool. I, the people I didn't know, I was like, wow. It was great. It was, it was really, really great. And I think, do you want to, should we talk about this experience I recently had with the song? The, sure. The, I, just kind of like to, <clears throat> I think that's really important. Yeah, I, I feel bad that we're taking so much of your time, but I want, I want you to get out anything oh, you want to talk about. It's man. cool. This um, is, this is really, really good. This, so, you know, basically getting into licensing wasn't a focus. Music was the focus. Yeah. Then licensing became the focus and music took a back seat. So I started writing stuff that was just very specific to a use or to a need or to a brief, to an email. You know, we need this, we need that, we need this, we need that. And the music basically had a means to an end before I even started writing it. And it's, you know, shelf life was really short. And as we know, episodes come and go. And so the songs come and go and people like, yay, great. And then it's forgotten because... The next episode had songs that were even better than yours. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. You know, and, yeah. and and so you're completely forgotten, like immediately. <laughs> the focus of Too Far Moon, the foundation of Too Far Moon was basically to reinvent myself as an artist, to separate myself from what I had focused on for so long. And that, that was writing for specific uses. And I kind of lost who I was as an artist, what kind of got me there in the first place. Right. One of the songs would be okay, the one that was on in the film was on this first EP. Yeah. And I recently, just within the last couple of weeks, had somebody reach out to me on Facebook from another country explaining to me that the song literally saved his life. Yeah. And he went into, you know, greater detail, but essentially he was going to end his life. And I don't know how he heard the song. I I, I need to find out. You asked yeah. me that earlier. I need to find out. But he reached out to me and, you know, said thank you. This song saved my life. And, you know, just kind of went on and on about it. And it just reminded me of why I do what I do. Yeah. And you can do it for two different reasons. You you can do it for a very specific. And that's fine. Like there's, hey, I do it all the time. Yeah. You know, I have moments where I am pitching for something very specific or I'm writing something that's very specific. It doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, but this particular song and this particular project was me reaching into my soul and finding myself again to be able to create music for music and to create music that I felt was important Yeah, that for anybody who wanted to hear it or was able to hear it, that they would somehow be affected by it. That's what got me into licensing in the first place. So I feel like it's, mm -hmm. you know, the greatest, you know, I, I guess advice that I could give is make music that's important. Mm -hmm make music that is important. It's important to yeah. you first, yeah. you know, and that's where I think the greatness where you find your greatness yeah. is when it moves you first. And when it's music that you find valuable first, mm -hmm. it brings out the greatness in you. I think music in general, whether you're licensing music or writing music as an artist, you know, from a, an artistic side, just make it important, make it important to you. You never know who's going to listen to it and how it may affect, you know, it may affect the big screen. It also may affect, you know, an individual. So I think that's part of it. Yeah, that's awesome because yeah. it's, it's so funny that you got into licensing not trying to. And then once you had it, you tried to hold on to it like we do with so many things in life. You changed what you were doing, which began to not work. And then you had to go back to the beginning to sort of find it again. You know? And I actually got less licensing. Yeah. In that season, by tr by trying to specifically yeah. tailor it to what you thought right you needed, yeah, right. Wow. I mean, it, it all eventually, a lot of it eventually got licensed, but yeah. it wasn't it dro yeah, it dropped drastically. Yeah. Now, I mean, this is so valuable, man, for somebody that can hopefully avoid having to go through that, you know, because um, you would just assume that that would be the best thing to do. Like, I got in the door, and now I can write exactly what you want, you know. Yeah, and well, it just doesn't think work about that it. Way. 
how many Stone songs do you hear being licensed? Do yeah. you think they wrote it to get licensed? <laughs> yeah. They wrote it like 200 yeah. years ago, right? Couldn't have even yeah. imagined that model. You know? <laughs> so you think about that, like I think that's really important too, yeah. is that they made great music. Now, yeah. not everybody likes the Stones, but they made their music is accessible for licensing for whatever reason, but it was their music. They made it for music. They didn't make it to get on a Coke yeah. commercial or on a... Mm-hmm. Microsoft or whatever, right. you know, commercial they've bajillions they've been on. But, you know, I think so that's important too to not not get caught up in I've got to make music that's going to be licensed. Yeah. I think it's important to make great music. Yeah. You know, and just those are those are just examples. You have them everywhere. Like you hear songs and most of the songs that get licensed, I mean some of them get licensed specifically, but most of them they're just on people's albums that they're trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to make great music. Right. Well, and the cool thing was the song came from a special place from you, you know, your your life and your personal experience. As I'm mastering the song, I told you earlier, it, it touched me with something I was going through at the time. It goes on to be in this film. It also goes on and saves this kid's life halfway around the world. You know, I mean, none of those things were intended, but the fact that it started from that place allow those things to happen right you know it's just it's so cool and it's so important i think to get back to the art because especially now that the money's harder to come by Mm -hmm. if we're also sacrificing the art we have nothing left you know you don't even have your integrity or your story getting out there Mm -hmm. so if you're not making a lot of money in the meantime at least make it personally gratifying or at least Mm -hmm. self therapeutic to get your emotions out and your things down to, to tape, you know, we still call right. it tape, even though it's not, but, um, virtual tape. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, some sort of tape plug in. <laughs> Let me just say though, man, like yeah. I didn't work on the track, Yeah, but watching the film, dude, it just, it's the climax of the whole movie. And I love, I love soundtracks. I love like, I love the inception soundtrack and I just, I love how music can bring such a life to, you know, visuals. And if you took the music out, it wouldn't hit home, you know, and you it's just hear a bunch of birds chirping. Yeah. You, you really would. And so, exactly. I mean, I, I don't want to go off on the whole value of music because I think it's so undervalued, but that moment, man, when it all came together and, you know, Mickey Rourke and his character and all that whole scene was wrapping up and tying together. It's like, I didn't work on the track and I almost teared up, man. You know what I mean? Cause it was, it's so hit home. It was so the right track for what, what you were seeing visually. It was just, I mean, it was powerful, man. Well, and to give people a little bit of the backstory, you, you mix the song yourself, right? I mastered you mixed it at your home base studio. I mastered it in my home base studio. And it was right there alongside some yeah. other things that were probably done with much more proper setups or, you know, whatever. And and, and I but, went back and I listened to all your other stuff and without a doubt I can say there is so much emotion tied to the the two far moon stuff, part 1, part 2. And I'm all about, you know, I'm all about pads and emotion and, you know, closing my eyes and, and just feeling what a track will do for me. And it's, it hits that. And that's, that's what I try to strive for too. When I write stuff, like, is it tugging on my heartstrings, you know? Cause if it does for me, even 10 days after I write the song, I know it's, there's a good chance it's a good song. Right. So yeah, I just want to compliment you, man. Killer killer albums thanks I'm looking forward to the third one you're working on a third one right now right right we'll see how long <laughs> maybe maybe next october it'll be done yeah. i don't know when are you gonna be done this mix here oh my gosh <laughs> well i'm three days in and i haven't gotten through the drums yet but hopefully uh hopefully by tuesday awesome that's man. my goal and one other thing be okay in this film the film originally was just going to be straight to DVD. It was not even supposed to hit theaters. Now, yeah. it didn't hit theaters everywhere. It was in select theaters. Right. It, it went to a couple of film festivals, and right. Paramount picked it up, and they ended up repackaging it, re-releasing it, redoing everything, okay. whatever, and got it into theaters. So the budget was really low. However, this is an example of 
things being accumulative. That's a hard word to say, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, is the supervisor, they knew that it was, they knew that they got a deal. They knew they got a great deal. Yeah. And everybody wanted, the directors wanted the song, the producers wanted the song, everybody wanted the song. They got the song they wanted and they got it really good, like really cheap. The cool thing though is that they, one, they knew that, but they also communicated to my rep that it was kind of like, we know you did us a favor, but we love Too Far Moon. We love it. So we are going to continue to try to place it. Oh, wow. So as they, as the supervisors move forward with the filmmakers and as the filmmakers move forward, you know, the directors and the producers and all that, they remember these things. So yes. what's really important is not only do you not want to upset them when you're, you know, you want to send that email checking yeah. up and don't do that, but yeah. is to, you know, sometimes you just have to, ex you have to accept the offers that come in. It's better to take an offer that may obviously be lower than it should be. Mm-hmm. Because the next one won't be. Gotcha. And that's what I'm, you know, that's kind of an example of these producers and directors are working on movies now. Yep. And those supervisors are working on movies now. And they've already, one of them already contacted, the supervisor contacted me and, you know, personally thanked me. Wow. And let me know that we are, we are fans. Nice. Like we all are fans of your music. And so they, if there's an opportunity on the line, it's going to happen. So yeah. that's something to think about too, that, you know, you may get a placement and it may not be a lot of money, but it may be worth it to take it. You could have tried to squeeze a little more money out of that and, and sever the relationship. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's really good. That's where you don't want yeah. to be difficult to work with because yeah. they could have a list of, you know, five other artists or five other songs that yeah. they're ready to clear and they'll skip right over you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, until, until you can demand yeah a number it's really important to to you know make sure that that you choose wisely if you want to negotiate if you're doing it yourself if you have somebody negotiating yeah. for you you know that works for a company that's you know that's very different than if you're doing it yourself yeah no that's great man i think just to keep reminding people this is still a relationship business it's it, and even more so on the the music supervision side uh, anywhere along the way, even when you work with a band in your studio and it's not the best fit, I've never found burning a bridge to like be helpful in, in any, because people talk, you know, right. reputations get built up. And I've, I've just heard over and over, especially with music supervisors, like if you're easy to work with, if you've got your ducks in a row, all the practical things we talked about, metadata and so forth, I'm going to keep coming to you because it's, it's easy for me. And I, I like your music and sometimes it gets down to, I like all these bands, but this guy's nice. And they, they almost want you, they want the good guy to win. Right. You know? mm -hmm. They're like this guy's, uh, which goes back to you getting to know them personally and Hey, how's the kids doing and stuff like that. It's, it's, I would imagine for them at least like if they can send a check to the guy that they know some of his story, they spent time with him. They know he's a good guy. I mean, shoot, they probably feel even better about that. Right. At the end of the day, I think everybody wants to work and, you know, make things with friends. Yeah. You know, people they enjoy spending their time with, totally. you know. And there's still enough jerks floating around in the music totally. business. They, they, we don't need any more. There's, right. there's plenty still kicking around. You know? <laughs> probably the less money that goes, they'll get squeezed out. But yeah. <laughs> one thing that we do like to kind of end every show with is just asking if there's anything new as far as a piece of gear or plug-in or... That's um, awesome. new gear. I, goodness, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in a season where I'm settled into what I have, yeah. you know, um, a lot of people are big on slate. I have, I've gotten into a couple of things. Um, I still try to mix drums with the original. I, I still fight to not use samples if I don't have to, but that's cool. Um, I'm, I may get flogged for that, but, <laughs> um, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm at a place where. I had a lot. Yeah. I had way more than I needed and way more than I used. It just looked super cool yeah. laying around like, yeah, it's like, yeah. I never touched that, but that looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> like that piece of gear. I call that the, um, brown sugar. Yeah. With the little, 
yeah. heart disco ball right there. Yeah. yeah, it's never been used. <laughs> never. No. But it looks awesome. It's an Alltech. It's like the old school Alltech 1567. Yeah. But it, it was it was an old Czech Republic ra- radio, tube radio, and I had a tech build it out so it's basically two channels of a 1567. Yeah. And I've never used it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I neglected to tell at the beginning the way that Lee and I initially met was that I sold a Shadow Hills Gamma 8. And, I, you know, I think you were heading back from Nashville to Wilmington. We met up at Chick-fil-A in Greensboro. And if I remember correctly, I think you traded me a couple of monogammas plus some money for the Gamma 8. We made some kind of swap. Yeah. And uh, we both neither one of us owns the gamma eight anymore. And we, uh, and whoever does, we will find you. Yeah. <laughs> we, it's no going to really. be my life long <laughs> journey to find you. Oh God. I have, I have pictures of the serial number, so I'll find you. Why did we, first of all, I'm glad I sold it because I met you, but why I, did, why I did sold we, it to get that console? Oh, here. well, that worked out. All right. But gosh, I missed that thing. I really miss that thing. Anybody, if anybody's listening, you have a Shadow Hills Gamma Eight with the iron option. Right. If it doesn't have the iron option. Don't don't bother me. Right. <laughs> Still, yeah. whatever. We need iron. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I miss that thing. What about on pads on you know too far moon? What do you use? Because they sound killer, man. Okay. I will like say at the this. beginning of B. Okay. What is that? Okay. What that is. Okay, it is well people can't see this but it it's is like a, a pedal tape sound it's, or it's okay so that's so cool the Mr. sound Echo. started out as an organ and I tweaked it a little bit just one of those like it literally looked like one of those 2 or 300 dollar organs that you can get on Craigslist yeah. right so it had this really like weird sound to it and I mic'd it and at the time that I we did did this in Nashville with a guy named Brent Milligan producer yeah. named Brent Milligan and so I was locked up in his studio for a while. I think his family was out. Of, they were all out of town at the beach or something. And so cool. I. Uh, you mind if we snap a picture? No, go for okay, it. Put sure. it in the show. So yeah. we're going to show you guys what the, a picture of the pedal. Yeah. So I started. I'm sure a lot of people know Planet Waves, the company Planet yeah, Waves. Yeah. So they have an adapter. So you can actually you can put it onto your, the microphone and it will convert the microphone into a line level, which is a lot of the textures of Too Far Moon is what I did I did with my voice. Ah, okay. And I ran my voice through his pedal board. He had a bunch of just random, I didn't even know what half of them did. I just yeah. started messing with them. And so a lot of the textures is actually my voice. Wow, very cool. But it's through pedals and I manipulated it and yeah. through the pog and like all kinds of, yeah. just all kinds of stuff. But that particular organ, that particular, that yeah. thing, yeah. If you when you push that button, it makes it do that. Wow! Makes it slam. It slams it, so yeah. it makes it 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 warps it. It oscillates it. It does something. So you were hitting it, and so every- I was playing the organ, and hitting it in time, mm. oh, okay. like that. And then you know did it like probably a, you know for thirty seconds or a minute. That is so cool, man. And then you know just added you know worked it up to where it, it you know it wasn't a bad. You well, know, what is this thing, thing worth? I don't know. Is it expensive? I, know. Or? Um, I think, I mean, I don't even know if they make them anymore. Yeah. They, uh, they, <laughs> they may, awesome. but I think it's like 150 bucks, hundred bucks, okay. something like that. But that's the, it's, it's like, it's kind of like memory man, Yeah. but it's analog. It's got the analog okay. circuitry. So the, the tail, the delay is analog. So it, uh, it goes, wah, wah, yeah, it just like warps yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's after a while, that organ kind of really started, you know, warping around the original sound yeah. but that that movement is put is the slam button it's pushing the slam that's button. really cool man because we we were listening to a lot of it on the way over and like man when it's the right pad or uh, you know uh, pad's kind of generic term for it but that sort of sound you go this is going to be good yeah, before you've even heard anything stage. else it just but it you know there's so many libraries out there now and there are a lot of the same tools that we can use mm-hmm. that it's really cool to make it unique like that. So right. that that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, now the problem is that such a signature kind of, it does something very specific that yeah. I tried to use it a couple of different times in yeah. different places in the record and I couldn't use it. Cause like, it sounds just like <laughs> or, that. Or when you go out to play that live, you're like, 
uh, let's, let's <laughs> right. throw, throw that in. That, at least let's make that like a That's going to be a track, right? Yeah. That's yeah. right. Um, one thing I remember writing with John Foreman. Yeah. We're huge fans of Switchfoot. And I know <laughs> whenever I saw the picture when you were you were writing with him, uh, just anything you want to share about that experience? Because I know a lot of people that are listening are going to be, you know, definitely fans of his as well. Well, he is exactly who you think he is. Good. He's by far one of the one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Awesome. And the the interesting thing about that experience, um, a couple of things. They finished their. They did a photo shoot for the for the Fading West yeah. record. It was either for the record or for the film. I can't remember if it was the artwork for it. Right. And they were like five hours away. And they drove in through the night. So he he literally, I think he put on a pot of coffee and we started writing. Man. Like, I don't even know if he slept. Wow. He was just so cool. He was yeah. super sincere. And I could tell he was like really tired and his voice was really, really tired. But yeah. um, he's everything that you've ever heard. Like, he's just the real deal. That's so great. He's so awesome. How often are we disappointed when we finally get to meet people like that? So yeah. that's great, man. And, you know, life happens. And sometimes yeah. you have to do things when life happens. And, yeah. you know, he just rolled with it. It was yeah. just like. He made a commitment. He, he made, yeah, he it, was, it, was, awesome. it was really great. Yeah. So true. I mean, a lot of people, you know, haven't had much sleep. Maybe they, you know, overcommitted or whatever. And they're still super cool when most people would just be. You'd be Total justified and just blowing it off or something, right. you know. Yeah. And the whole band, at one point, the whole band was in the studio. Like, oh, they were kind of in and out. I don't think I knew that, yeah. And so th they were all there, and not at the same time. Yeah. They were, you know, all kind of, they were doing all kinds of different things. And, you know, obviously they were focused on this record and, and the film. I think they, they were getting ready to go on tour, mm -hmm. the fall tour for the, for the Fading West. Yeah. And their studio was super cool, but, like, they still had the, you know, the whiteboard with like the checkoffs of like oh, all the wow. different things, you know, and, and it was really, it was just really interesting because I was sitting in there, like they had just, I think just two or three days before finished the last track of the record. Wow. It was like, it's cool. You know, it's really super awesome, cool. Man. You know, he's been a hero of mine, like a musical yeah. hero of my whole career, basically. Yeah. It, you know, it was just a great opportunity and it was really cool too, because it, the opportunity to write with him was also a part of his charity. So it was really, really cool to be able to help support, you know, so the song, when it comes out, yeah. not really sure what's going to happen with that yet, yeah. but um, it's going to have a lasting, it's going to have a, you know, a life. Right. Even at, after two years, it's going to have a life to be able to help people. And that's awesome. So it's great. Yeah, that's very cool. But it man. was really awesome to yeah. write with him. That was one thing I didn't want to forget because I just, you know, I know with us being big fans too, yeah. it's like so cool. And they have more guitars. So think of this. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever been in a warehouse before, but you know, when you go into a warehouse, you have these racks, these metal racks filled with whatever products they have, like at yeah. Costco or yeah. as a perfect example, like Costco or yeah. Sam's club, they have just these racks, you know, and you have to get like these big old lists to like mm -hmm. take stuff, pallets of stuff down. So they had probably, they had a, a rack, a warehouse rack that probably was at least two, maybe three sections of what you would can, what you would see in like two, like, you know, sections yeah back to back to back two or three sections back to back to back, filled with nothing but guitars oh my goodness like just stacked beside each other in yeah. cases three high yeah of guitars <laughs> yeah. they had us they probably had well over 100 guitars in that in there man. wow that's a dream right there man you know, and, it's cool and though. it's like and and they weren't like squires right unless they were like <laughs> from the 50s you know just what i mean to fill up the space right, right. Yeah. Squires. you know they, yeah they, they weren't you know, <laughs> they were, oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. It was cool. Well, and that's awesome to hear because I know with each album, as you followed them, they've really experimented with guitar sounds along the way and, uh, always seem to be fresh. Yeah. You know? Well, this is interesting too, is that their, their fading rest record, they did the guitars last. Really? Mm hmm. Hmm. 
was the last thing they did on the record for guitars. Interesting. So yeah. it was so not focused on guitars. Yeah. Well, when you listen to it, it's you know it's pretty synthy. It's way yeah. more synthy, and yeah. um, but all the guitar work was done last. Yeah. Hmm. Little snippet. That's pretty That's so cool, cool, man. man. Well, dude, thank you so much yeah, uh, for letting us visit Hopefully you. You it, got awesome space here, and it's fun. Yeah. Hopefully, this helps. Oh, this is oh, yeah. this is. If I could go back when I first started wanting to learn about licensing, if I had this, it would have saved me a lot of trouble for sure. So thank me you. Me too. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna try to go back in time somehow and play this for yourself. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> But really, thanks, and yeah, um, thanks so much, I'll man. make sure to add a proper closing on this when we get back and have all the information in there and stuff. But definitely, yeah. That concludes our discussion with Lee Hester from Too Far Moon about licensing your music for film, television, and ads. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, the response to the first episode of this series was the most overwhelming that we've had thus far for a podcast. You guys were so generous to share it on Facebook and we really thank you for that also it's super helpful to leave a review for this uh, podcast on iTunes thank you guys so much for the support as always you can find us at thenewproducers.com at thenewproducers on Instagram and Twitter and facebook.com slash thenewproducers be sure to go connect with Lee on uh, across social media and whatever platforms you use he was so generous to share this information with us. I mean, really, I've never heard this stuff outside of a paid course. So go check him out, facebook.com slash moon. Uh, look him up on iTunes. Go ahead and buy the, the first two EPs are out. The third one's, you know, soon to come. Stream him on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you're using. Just go support him. Uh, great guy, and the music is fantastic. So go ahead and check it out. As a matter of fact, as we head out here, I'm going to play a bit of the song Till My Heart Stops. This song was recently featured on an episode of Teen Wolf on MTV. So check it out. Here is Till My Heart Stops by Too Far Moon. Is go